0: On this week's Slice of Golf, we preview the US Open, Uh, we hand out our top picks for the event at Wings Foot, we talk about what is the worst thing you can possibly do on a golf course, and Chris proposes a new type of club competition which we either send out of bounds or in the hole. Join us along with me, Tim Williams,
1: me, Ben Fowlis,
0: and myself, Chris Wright. Welcome, welcome along to this week's A Slice of Golf. Before you know it, it's another majors week in this ridiculous year. Um, we'll obviously be previewing the US Open at Wingfoot very shortly and plenty more. But before we do that, let's get into what we've been doing over the past week, um, any practice, any training. Let's kick it off with um, a golf day that was at the weekend. Uh, Chris, do you want to talk about this? No. No. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent
2: start. It, it didn't happen as far as I'm concerned. Blocking it from memory. Uh <laughs> it was no, it was we had a fantastic day, Surrey versus Sussex. There was a lot of banter beforehand. We went down to so there's 28 of us that went down, 14 aside. Uh seven seven four balls. Yeah, I can do my maths right there. And uh big wide range in handicaps had Steve Furlonger there, obviously playing off zero. Uh, and then lots of people stood, not brand, brand new to golf, but 28 handicappers, first competition or first kind of like competitive golf day. Uh, and it was just an excellent, excellent environment. Just so much fun. Everyone was there having a laugh, loads of banter. Um, yeah, East Brighton Golf Club, which by the way, I don't think you two have, I definitely haven't played it before. Have you two played East Brighton before? Nope. 100% we have to go uh, Go there and play. It was glorious. And to be fair, the guy I was playing with was a member and he was like, to be fair, we've absolutely lucked out on the weather here because it's right it's right on the coast. So sea views, which is, honestly you're like, I feel like I'm in Portugal. This is glorious. It's like, <laughs> but if but if the sun isn't out and the wind is up a little bit higher than it is, it is a horrible, miserable place to be <laughs> in terms of in terms of your golf. So um fantastic weather, glorious day, just the whole course felt like it was uphill. I don't remember there being a downhill at any point. In fact, there was one downhill hole. Um, Yeah, sorry, I'm team sorry. We got absolutely. It was a massacre. It was an absolute massacre. We um, uh, out of the seven matches, we lost six uh, and half the seventh. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay, right. uh, We were lucky. We had the app during the live scoring, and even after, I think four holes like when we we were always in the final group and even after the four holes i looked at it was just a sea of blue which was team sussex i was like ah oh, this is <laughs> this is already needs some already needs some strong comebacks to, to come back in um but oh excellent day really really like absolutely fantastic in terms of my golf oh, I started off reasonably well, had, from an individual perspective, I was 14 points after seven. So I was kind of playing to handicap new course, I was like, yeah, we're doing okay. Um, And even my playing partner, Chris, he was um, playing some good golf for the first six, seven holes as well, but we were four down after seven. And I was just like, "I, I don't know what we can do. Just the other, the Dean and Pete who were playing against were just dovetailing perfectly. Whereas me and Chris were just going two points, two points, two points. They were just going one with three, other one with one or two, one with three, other one with one or two. I was just like, so yeah, they, they were, they had just, they dovetailed perfectly. It was a, it was quite enjoyable to watch. Like to be honest, and there was one point where I think I drained quite a good putt for, I think I got my two points. I was like, yes. Okay. We've got the two points on the board and Pete was just off the green and he'd been kind of looking at it. He'd duffed the chip before. I thought, yep. Okay. I think we've got this hole. And he then chips in from like 40 yards. And I was just like, I literally, for two points, (laughs) I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like I can't, we, we just, me and Chris just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't compete. So um, really, really well played from, uh, from our opponents. And sounds like really well played from everybody on team Sussex. Uh, Just proud of team. Surrey for going down and, and having a laugh and, losing graciously I should say enjoying their pints afterwards and uh, uh and handing over the trophy
0: interesting so losing so losing to, to but losing to good golf importantly yeah well I'll say
2: this at at the turn I was still on 14 points so okay. eight and nine eight and nine I I think I got in my when I realized that we were four down after seven I think I got in my head and then started <laughs> okay like I, I literally nearly killed someone on one of the holes I can't remember it was like snap hook off to the left hit a tree like and that shook me up for like six more shots and I was just like oh no this isn't gone well like get myself sorted um and I don't think I played particularly bad but I, I had a couple of duff tee shots which just it's not a, it's not a course where you can hit a duff tee shot and recover well like if you hit a duff tee shot you're in rough that's quite deep and just a nightmare to get out of um really well laid out course really enjoyed it uh but yeah I I struggled on the back nine I think I picked up I got to 27 points total okay so um not disastrous but just not you're not going to you're not going to compete with 27 points in in a match play situation so uh beaten a little bit by myself but
0: mainly by some very good golf from the two that we were playing against for sure fair enough fair enough and a very apparently mountainous golf course that we need to check out at some point you were just you were describing it to us earlier. It's like the Himalayas
2: Oh, it was unbelievable. It was... It, there was one... Sh- the, the one downhill hole that I can remember. I was literally like, where's the tee pointing? And Dean, was who's the member there, he was like, straight down there. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, it is literally like miles... De- like, it's like a vertical drop, like, down the hill. Beautiful par five. I think even Pricey managed to get to the green in, like, two, maybe three shots. Um, so if he's getting close, like, we know... <laughs>
1: Unheard
2: of. <laughs> <laughs> um... Joke's on me. I bogeyed that hole. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, it was extremely hilly. There was quite a few blind shots, so which I definitely think helps if you would played there before. Like, there's quite a few. Okay, and even Dean was like, "Yeah, I know the poles there, but actually mm-hmm. aim to the left of that, and you'll get a better line into the green." So it was nice that our opponent was talking, helping us out a little bit. But I'm not. I think we've spoken about this before. Blind
0: shots aren't my favourite. Yeah, part of the course design. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, sorry, I thoroughly really unanimously agreed agree last time out that uh, the the course design we would go for we would just eradicate blind tee shots <laughs> for <more> future golf. <laughs> so, it was clearly, clearly in the pudding for you this weekend just gone.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I can't. I can't really blame the blind shots. If I'm honest, it was just some <laughs> some duff shots. Uh, what I was pleased about was my putting. I think I three putted once. Other than that, putting was really good. Short game was really good. and It needed to be because my long game was
0: dire right <laughs> okay okay straight back uh, to range for me this week very good speaking of which uh range and practices uh benjamin uh i believe you had a lesson didn't you and then you've been trying to bed that in afterwards
1: how's that going for you I Did i did so lesson was last tuesday prior to, to to kind of the last recording then i went to the range on saturday range again today Because I, you know, for anyone who's ever had a lesson, you will know it's not just your typical range session where it's, um, you're going to get a little pointer, which is going to change things just slightly. Uh, With Turkey coming up, big trip coming up, um, it does mean we're not breaking down the whole swing and recreating it. It's just trying to tweak bits, um, but it's enough to make my golf swing go to shit and me sending balls left right and center all over the driving range which um it's somewhat you get to a stage you get quite consistent and then you break it back down again and then you get consistent again and break it back down problem being is that i've got a tournament with the lads i grew up with this saturday got another round in the diary for this sunday so i was on a, a short time frame to try and bed in these changes um and it's been going, it's short. you know, progressively getting better in the terms of today was a lot better with the irons, but we changed a couple of bits. Um, and one of the drills we use uh, with the driver because I was hitting down on the ball. So we've now got the tee way up, delofted the driver a little bit, uh, and i got to try and hit up on the ball. Now, um, one of the bits of equipment to add into the mix was, was a, a cut in half tennis ball. I was telling Chris, uh, Chris earlier on, uh, I did that cutting half tennis ball, used that uh, drill today, put the tennis ball in front of the tee, came in way too steep, hit down on the ball, fully sent a tennis ball about 100 yards down the <laughs> driving range. So yeah. uh, yes. <laughs> the, the lads in the bay next to me found it hilarious, made no shame in, in laughing at that. I kind of looked at it and had a little laugh at myself. Because it was, you know, that's why it's there to not do that. <laughs> so that you,
2: great question. You did you have you the other half? You did you have the other half of the tennis <laughs> ball?
1: Yeah, thankfully, I did have the other half of the tennis ball that was in the bag, so I quickly pulled that out and made right. sure to not go anywhere near it again. So, lesson learned. Um, great drill, because you definitely <laughs> <laughs> won't be won't be doing that again. Don't want to be sending tennis balls out to drive range. Um, so, I'm going to try and get down there once again hopefully, this week before um, before the big day on, on Saturday because there's 18 of us playing. Um, I can't right. remember where. I think <laughs> Excellent. I think, oh, it's, it's back in Surrey somewhere. I think it's perfect, I think.
0: Oh, um, it's a, 10 o'clock
1: tea time and it's ultra competitive, as you can imagine. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> well, Low expectations there- this weekend. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, from a from a fellow podder point of view, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that you're going through a bit of a hard time trying to rebuild that swing. Of course, from a Turkey trip point of view, I'm kind of delighted because I'm not on your team for Turkey. So the fact that you'll have some struggles is music to my ears right now. Um, that said, there's a lot of time to go. So I'm sure you will have everything back to working order um, before you make the trip. Um so personally, I had a very busy week last week, so um, I wasn't able to get in my uh, obligatory uh, evening nine holes at all. Oh. Shock horror! Nor was I out on the course, uh, nor did I get any time to go down to the range. One thing I did do, however, and I thought I'd bring this up because this this was an interesting thought when I did it. So um, I finished work latish, I think last thursday night and there's probably about an hour's worth of light left so i thought right there's not enough time to really go to the driving range and get a quality session out of it um what i'll do is i'll pop i'll pop to i'll pop to the club which has um has putting green chipping area and it hasn't has some nets to hit into i thought you know i'll just i'll just i'll just hit some balls in the net just to kind of kind of have have the motion of the swing and just so i've swung the golf club and all this kind of stuff and actually, I really, really enjoyed it, just actually just hitting balls in the net. And I kind of stumbled across this theory, which I'd like to share with you. And you can tell me if it's absolute bollocks. Probably is, but hear me yeah. out anyway. So I've got I've got a theory that if you go to the driving range, it is way, way, way too easy to get fixated on the distance you're hitting and focusing on like the end destination of where the ball has gone. Whereas for me, when I was in the net, all I was I wasn't really Obviously, you know you can't really see where the ball's gone or anything like that. All I was kind of focusing on was like the feel of the shot and the kind of the actual motion and working on kind of actual posture and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not necessarily advocating people just ditch going to the range and on course practice, just go hitting nets. But you always think there's anything in that at all? I can I can definitely. I can definitely see the
2: side of it of not getting fixated on distance because even because especially with like where I go to the range, there's the top tracer, mm. and it's all too easy to be like, hmm, that seven nine didn't go as far as the three before it. I must have been doing something wrong uh, and get fixated on something that actually I probably don't really need to get fixated on because it was just a slightly shit shot, nothing to really worry about, yeah, um, however, I really like to see the shape of the shot i.e. where has it gone if it because sometimes i would hit a shot i'm like oh that didn't feel great but the end result is okay i'm like okay that's not a that's not a bad result but i would i want to know okay was it the right shape shot like steve the coach has always said to me like in your practice try and hit different shape shots and give yourself points for each the shape shot don't worry about distance just the shape of the shot so obviously, for me, if I like and I enjoy that aspect of it, so I wouldn't necessarily, well, I definitely wouldn't get that in the net. But yeah, I totally, totally agree with not getting fixated on distance, mm. um, especially with the drills. Like some of the drills that I've, yeah, that I've got. I you, again, some of the drills I've got, you definitely wouldn't need a range. You could definitely do it two. It's just like impact drills that you could do into the net for sure. But yeah, um, for me, I'd still be. I'd, you wouldn't sell me on the net over a range. <laughs>
0: I feel like I know the yeah. answer before Ben even says it. It's all yeah, about I, I, I,
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> I've got you on that all day. Don't worry about that, mate. We uh <laughs> the I don't know, I quite like the feedback of, of seeing the shot, seeing where it goes, seeing where it lands. Similar to you, Righty, it is a case of, of it hitting the shape. I do feel like there must there is something in it, if you are in a bit of a rut, of just going back down there instead of having all of that to focus on. Just focusing on yeah. hitting the ball again. Because I think everyone goes through those, those phases of golf where it's just not going well. You can all remember a good patch of golf and it seemed like a distant memory, Well, then it might it might be a good idea just to go down and to not focus on where it's going, what it's doing, and gradually just get the swing back. Um, because, no, as we just said, you can fixate on how far it is, you know, where it's gone, what it's done. Um, whereas I, th- I think that's a, a lot of people's problem with golf is they overthink it. And one way to, to, to overthink things even more is to have a top tracer next year and start analysing everything here, there and everywhere. Whereas if you're in a net, you, you don't have any of that. Now if, if I were to do it personally, I would probably have, I'd like to have like a marker, say even the drill stick up in front of me just so I could see where I've hit it left or right of that and then mm. probably get the camera out as well to see what's going on with the swing. But other than that... But not, but, but not overcomplicating it or anything. you know. Yeah, you not know, overcomplicating I mean, that. You know I love my gadgets and gizmos and, and then if I could numbers I analysing projector, analyze. Okay
2: with a track man behind me and then I'm fine.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that. Yeah, if any club <laughs> could supply that, that would actually be delightful and I would probably be there every time.
0: Well, you can swap pissing half a tennis ball into a net rather than into the range. So, you know, there you <laughs> sure. go. Yeah. Save money I on mean, tennis
1: balls. Yeah, money I was going to i be pretty happy. I'll save me a tennis ball then.
0: <laughs> Very good. Very good. Right, let's have a quick, quick digest of the weekend's pros action. Um, there are a few tournaments... That were out there this weekend, um, fellas. I don't know how much you watched. Obviously, we had the Safeway Open at the weekend. With Stuart Sink taking that one. Um, did you guys see any of the action from this weekend? Um, obviously, for those of you that maybe didn't see it or haven't read about it, obviously it was quite. Um, it was quite the day for for Sink. He had his uh, he had his son Reagan on the bag, which is mm, pretty awesome to see. That was uh, cool. Uh, yeah. how, how cool is that? Father son combo yeah. uh, player and caddy. And he also had his wife there, who has uh, is a cancer survivor. So it was it was quite you know it was quite an inspirational thing to see. Um, and then obviously the other uh, action in the the men's game was down in Villamora in Portugal. We had the Portugal Masters at Don Pedro. Uh, we had George Quincy. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Probably have uh, winning with a score of sixteen under. But the the interesting thing I found out of this, and I'll come to you guys in a second. And Tommy Fleetwood finally some form at last um do you see his round at all his final round at all start start oh. off not not too badly by going three straight birdies after the second uh. hole <laughs> i'm excited to see
2: fleetwood hitting some form coming into this week that is my comment <laughs> deep deep that's, that's what you get on <laughs> no i think it, you're of the bro uh, I, I always enjoy watching the Portugal masters. I know we didn't play uh Victoria course, but it always makes me, it takes me back to our first trip to Dom Pedro uh, to in Portugal, playing when I can't remember we played ocean canal millennium. And those courses like just uh, takes me back, wants me to get back,
0: makes me want to get back to Portugal ASAP. Big time. Uh, ben, did you see any of the the men's action this weekend?
1: I have to admit, I saw absolutely no golf this weekend. I uh, was out all day oh. Saturday and then uh, return of the NFL Sunday. And I wish I hadn't watched that either. But uh, <laughs> yeah, should have watched the golf, definitely.
0: Sorry. So
2: I was going to the only thing that I did see, I watched the highlights of the, um, the final round, immediately forgotten who did it. But again, I like it when pros show us that they are human beings. Um, and the, the commentator saying, you will never see a shot go further right than that was <laughs> a fairly amusing. And it had the top tracer line on and everything. It was just, I was like, okay, now that is relatable. That we've all done. Um, but yeah, no, I, for me, it was exciting to see Tommy Fleetwood
0: putting some scores together. Yeah, I mean, first things first. There has been a shot more right than that, and I know for a fact the one that's hit it. Um, and I may or may not have shared that in the group this morning, So In the Sunday Red group, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, I can only describe it as a block right howitzer that just went wildly out of control <laughs> and right, which you love to see, you love to see every now and then from the pros. I think, I think, in the floodlights for yours is what made it better, like dark, floodlit.
2: Yeah. It just highlighted the direction. Like you didn't, you didn't need a, didn't need a top tracer line. You could just sit
0: beautifully off to the right. Yeah, and the fact they went square into a lake just really, really just polished it as well. You know, <laughs> really, really finished it on a, on a high. Good times. good times for me. Well, Ben, you might not have seen um, a lot of the action this weekend. And you said that you, you wish you had. I think you, what you, what we definitely were watching this weekend, and you definitely will have missed out on was uh, the ladies' game, the ladies' mm. L. LPGA event, uh, the ANA uh, Inspiration. Now, this came to quite the ending. Um, so there was a bit of controversy on the 18th, but first things first, so Miriam Lee takes the takes title, takes her first major title uh, on the LPGA. Um, now, before we go on to the neck to talk about what we're going to talk about, let's just give her a huge amount of credit because she chipped in three times. I was going to say, did I see it was I'm three times watching the I highlights. Just ridiculous it was honestly like a masterclass in chipping mm. so we're absolutely not not uh not taking anything away from her at all however that we do we do need to talk about the 18th hole and a few a few parts of the, gol- the, the golf course but we do need to talk about the 18th hole um chris do you want to talk about this and introduce this and sort of showcase what what it is we're alluding to here
2: yeah and i want to do this in a way that isn't because it's very easy to kind of get sucked in and pinpoint this on on this particular course, but I'm fully aware it, it happens in all other courses. It just Absolutely. it just happened to become a, a big thing here. Often with the pros, you have and you see it in the men's game a lot. And I think this is actually coming back to quite things later on about talking about the Open, like where there would normally be stands. Like yeah. I remember a few a few rounds back, Brooks hit a shot wild. And the commentator even said, "Had the stands been there, he had actually been by the green, would have just had a chip on. Instead, he's taken three or something to get back." Well, the eighteenth hole on, um, oh, the it was, it was the Ana Inspiration, what it? What course was it? Um, I'm having a mind blank. Don't know. Anyway, the eighteenth hole is a is basically an island green, yeah. except, and there would normally be a stand behind the green with it's over the water. Yeah. For whatever reason, sponsorship money, I'm guessing. They built this giant blue wall, which, by the way, if it was for sponsors, they'd made the logos incredibly really? small yeah, on the yeah, wall, it which
1: just looked uh, pointless. Really, I was like, I don't really understand
2: the point of this. But it basically was, it were, it, and it was closer than the stand would have been. So, like, it was actually right on the back of the green, whereas the stand is normally a bit further back. So, <laughs> Miriam Lee coming in on the 18th is, and it was it was across the whole back, right? Yeah. So you could just, if it was us, we'd. Probably be approaching in three, but we'd be and I'd be thinning my wedge shot through the back, and luckily this giant blue wall would save me. And it happened a few times over the the course of the the tournament. People were hitting shots and they were yes. being aggressive with their second shot. I.e., can I reach and hold the green in two? No worry about holding it because it will just hit the wall and come back like you're yeah. fine. So it meant players were going for it when they probably wouldn't or often wouldn't, or they'd be punished if they if they went long. And so Miriam Lee coming in coming on the 18th, she's two shots back off the lead, goes aggressive with her second shot, rifles <laughs> into the, <laughs> the wall at the back, drops down, and then she just plays one of the most delightful chips you'll ever see in your life, eagles the hole, and takes it to her playoff, and then goes on and wins. And I, and, and for me, i just a bit like, mm, for a person that then comes along and plays the hole properly, i.e. doesn't use the bumpers, as a as a way to get keep them all in play. I feel like it's a bit unfair.
0: Um see for me I, I've got a slightly different take on it. Um which is you can only play the course as it's set up. Sure, and if there is a a, a wall there. Now admittedly a wall is not is not an insurance policy just if anyone's listening to this (laughs) don't ever use a wall there's a wall wall on the back of the green now i'll I'll be safe if i land it a bit longer there because most of the time it's going to ping back and just go back the other way they were helped out by there was some fairly there was a fairly decent thick bit of rough um so there's a bit of me which thinks you know maybe she felt she could go for that second shot on the 18th because there was a bit of an insurance policy at the back and Obviously, when her chipping game was in the state it was yesterday, fair play to her. But it is worth saying, you know, that was that was only to force the playoff. It's not like she, that wasn't the hole where she won. She still had no, to sure. play for sure. Um, so it was just, it was just. To be honest, I found it quite just amusing more than controversial. Oh, I had a bit of chat in a few golf channels, sort of over the last few days about you know, you should be oh. up and, yeah, brrr, and obstacles and all that kind of stuff. But nah, everybody I- had the wall
1: yeah exactly well,
2: everybody had the wall yeah. so I, I, everyone had the same as you said tim everyone had the same course if any other players wanted to go for it they could have gone and rebound of the wall sure fine if you want to if you've all got the same option i'm actually not questioning that and i'm not I, and i 100 think players were going for the green in two whereas they might have questioned it without the wall for the reason the wall was there like like i think yeah. that's fine i'm not i'm not questioning that at all if anything well done on her for for doing that like that's i'm not questioning that at all i more questionizing the organisers of the event to put the giant wall there in the first place. That's more what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I, that's where I've, I would be throwing my questions because I, I saw it on Twitter. I was, I was flicking through and I saw the photo and I was like, well, that's ridiculous. I thought it was a meme. I thought it, it was a joke. doesn't does it? it and, doesn't and, real. and then I kept scrolling. I was like, oh shit, no, that's, that's actually real? <laughs> At a pro tournament, that's not a computer game. Someone's not added that in. Just uh, didn't make any sense to me, but. Made for an interesting finish,
0: that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Maybe maybe, maybe there's a bit more of that to come. Maybe they listened to us last week when we said introduce more on-course obstacles <laughs> onto the courses. So <laughs> yeah. once, once, again, once again, the professional golfing world, thank you very much. You're welcome for our suggestions. Um, yeah, absolutely. We've, not, we've not had any payment for these uh, suggestions. so uh, our Consulting fees, we'll, surely. Somewhere, I expect. Right. <laughs> Enough of that nonsense. Let's move on. Let's get into it. So, obviously, we need to talk about U.S. Open this weekend. So, Winged Foot, I think it's fair to say, is going to be a tricky proposition. So, it's hosted five U.S. Opens down the years. Four of those have been one with over par scores. The last time out, two thousand six. Those of you, some of you may remind this. There were not one but two. You could call them potential meltdowns or blow ups on the final hole. Um, both Phil and Monty were both in a position to win on the 18th. Um, both double bogeyed, and um, yeah, I mean, Phil, I think, managed to not only send a wild tee shot, I think he, think he then managed to hit a tree after yeah, did, that. Yeah. Um, and handed the, the title to Jeff Ogilvie, who won the tournament at, at five over. So, mm. if there's ever an indication of what kind of core setup you're talking about, um, I don't think we're going to be seeing huge under-par scores this weekend. Um, fellas, is there anything you want to talk about before we get into um, our tips, which we obviously we'll go into? Anything you want to bring up around the course or anything you've seen or anything to talk about in the build-up?
1: I've watched a, a bunch of, of youtube stuff stuff on, uh, on the course itself. It does look excellent. The greens look... Such a test, uh, and everything seems to kind of run off and filter down into some rough, or, or just, it will always leave a difficult shot coming back onto the green, which is going to test the best players in the world. Which I think we have all kind of spoken about. That's what we enjoy watching with a major is well, a golf tournament, as we enjoy seeing them tested even more so at a major. All right, it is to prove who is the best. Um, I saw that the course superintendent is trying to set it up so that the winning score is eight over. It's almost like they've set themselves a challenge to make wow. it one of the <laughs> toughest golf courses in the history of the game. So it's if you're looking for an eagle and a birdie fest, I don't think it's going to happen um, at all. So yeah, that I did quite a bit of research into this and into our picks, and that is what has kind of shaped my decision. If you're tuning in to see players absolutely bombing it an absolute mile, uh, and then trying to get in from the rough, I think. That's probably not the way to start hedging your bets uh for this weekend.
0: No, I mean the rough looks
1: about two foot deep. And the greens look brutal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like there is no like the uh, we did the uh that putting workshop a few a few weeks back and uh the guy running it was uh, Jamie Donson was saying you know, you don't actually often, because pros are quite good at hitting shots into the right areas of the green, they don't often have double breakers and ridiculously tricky putts. But you look at the <laughs> greens on this course, you're like, I don't think there's a flat surface. Like, it's just, it's no. all over the place, which is which is great. And the other thing that I think is interesting, again, this is a, a limited amount of research, but my understanding is the course is normally a par 72, 7,000, 260 yards but this week it's now past 70 and they've added an extra 200 yards as well so just as a level of what they're doing to make it a little bit tougher they're just removing shots and adding yardage at the same time so
0: um yeah i think i think it'll be interesting do you think we're in like a a beth page sort of situation from like a few years ago when it was kind of being set up on like I think it was it was it the PGA that said they wanted to set it up on the border of playability or something? I yeah. I, I yeah I, I hope not. If I'm
2: honest, I don't want as we talked about this a few weeks back. I don't want it to be unfair. Yeah. I don't mind it being ridiculously hard. Yeah. Like as long as it, I don't mind it ridiculously hard, is great. Like no issues with that. Just not unfair. Like don't punish good shots.
1: I think, yeah. I, I, think I, I saw and read something. One of the pros, it might have been Ogilvy actually. He said, "Off the tee, it's not actually that difficult if you if you keep it in play." He said, Fact. "It's when you start getting That's around the problem. green." <laughs> yeah, it's when you it's when you start getting up and anywhere near the greens, trying to hold the greens and get the ball on the green uh, and get it on the right spots on the green because there are so many different slopes and uh, kind of challenges once you get up there that. That's where the golf course turns into the 8 over park golf course. Mm. Um, you add that huge rough that they're growing in, then I think it's, it's going to be one hell of a test. Yeah, It is. It is. Um,
0: unfortunately, there's going to be a few players um, that we've been talking about in recent weeks that are not going to be there. So, Scotty Scheffler, Sam Horsfield, uh, obviously Brooks. None of those guys are going to be there, unfortunately, this weekend, um, which I reckon for some of us is probably wreaked havoc with some of our picks um, because you can... Pretty much put money on the fact that Phallus is always going to put money on Brooks. basically any opportunity. <laughs> um, so let's get into it. So what we're gonna do, and uh because everything's competition, um, I just want to put out that in the prediction so far uh on the podcast, I'm definitely winning because I've definitely better than anybody else. So what we're gonna do, um, we're gonna pick, we're gonna have three picks each. Um, one of the picks has to be from outside of the top 50. So we have to have one. Outsider, if you like. Um, so, who am I going to come to for opening picks? I'm going to come to Ben. Come on, cool.
1: Right, I'll start. I'll start with my favourite. Start with the big boys. Um, so, I'm looking at the golf course. It's going to re- you know, it's going to require uh, accurate hitting off the tee. It's going to have pretty good short game, uh, and that was where I started to look at players inside the top 15, 20 in the world. And my first pick, I've gone with uh, Xander. Um, you know, you're going to have to drive the ball. He's He's got the all-round game, or, or kind of so I thought. Um, what had Xander on the fence for me, which almost dropped him out, um, was that I started looking at stats from last year. Obviously, the season has literally just finished, so 2020 stats. He was 98 for driving accuracy. Still, 60% of fairways hit. Yeah. I don't think you can get away with that here. I think you're going to have to have a lot more if you're going to win the tournament. But, What saves him uh, and shows that he's pretty good at recovering from those tee shots is that he was tied 37th in strokes gained approach. He was second in strokes gained around the greens. So that's all your chipping and and stuff like that. And as we've just spoken about, well, as I kind of alluded to just then, there's lots of slopes and stuff. You've got to hit it in the right spot. If you do miss, you've got a tricky chip back on. If you're second in the whole of the PGA, you've got a pretty good short game. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think we'd all agree his putting at times is excellent. Uh, and he was 33rd overall in putting last year. So he's in form. He's so close. We've spoken about how good he is. The commentators always ooze about how good his game was. He was great in, there in the Tour Champs last week. I've got a feeling this week will be his week. So he's my my banker to win. Um, and then my second uh, pick, which I think we'll contest... Someone in the top 10, someone I'm not his biggest fan of, but it's someone who just seems to find the fairway, puts it on the green and puts it all the no, time. And haven't. I watch him and no, I'm like, no. it's, uh, it's ugly to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I've just got a feeling, I'm like, Webb Simpson, I think I knew you were gonna do this. Oh, he's oh, just going to keep this, this that- keep keep the ball in play. So going on those the same stats, I again had a look, and this is where I, I base my picks, because I started looking through the top 10 and, there's quite a few boys up there that absolutely bomb it now. I don't think that's going to play this week. I think Bryson's going to be in a lot of trouble and I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he didn't make the cut. But Webb was 18th in driving accuracy last year. 67%. So he's going to hit a lot of fairways which is going to be key. He was 6th in strokes gain approach to the greens. So his second shot or his third shot on a par 5 is clearly excellent. You know, He's top 10 in the whole of the PGA Tour and he was 13th in putting. So you're like, well there's the the three big things for this week. Webb Simpson, I've got a feeling, is going to challenge. It won't be exciting. It won't be sexy. But I've got a feeling Webb will be up there. Um, two near misses for me. Dustin, but that, I just thought, well, that's probably too obvious to go to go down that route. And then looking at the stats again, Brendan Todd, or Brent Todd, as, as Tim likes to call it. <laughs> uh, uh, again, looking at the stats, he was fourth last year, driving accuracy, and 20th in strokes game putting. I just... It was between Webb and, and Todd, I have to admit. I just don't think he's got the big-time game to pull off the big one against every single one of the best players in the world. So that was what, what did it for Webb because, again, it has me scratching my head how he's consistently top 10 in the world, but you watch him, he just it's because he doesn't miss fairways, and that's, yeah. that's going to be key. Now, my outsider, so my top 10 shout, okay, Um I started looking because outside the top fifty, I saw Phil Mickelson's name. I was like, "Ah, Phil," but then realised he can't hit a driver for Toffee. So he's, despite his wedge game being incredible, he's never going to be able to get out of the rough. So I went with, um, or or he'll take a driver. Someone, (laughs) someone I quite like, uh, just because he wears a bucket hat and has an awesome mustache. I went with Joel Damon, who is uh, currently sixty first in the world. Okay, going back through the stats, driving accuracy. He was tied 38th, which, again, bear in mind, he's not top 50 in the world. So chance sorry, he's not going to be number one at anything. He was tied 38th with Matt Fitzpatrick, which surprised me because I've got in my head that Fitzpatrick's kind of good off the tee. 64% off, off the tee. Stroke gained approach 44th, which, again, is above his current world ranking. Uh, putting. Now, this is where I feel like he's going to struggle. He was 120th in strokes game putting, which sounds awful, but a young man named Rory McIlroy was 122nd and uh, he's done all right for himself down the years. So, well, maybe outsider top 10. Who knows if he lights it up for a week? Potentially. Uh, But to be honest, mostly because he wears a bucket hat and he's got a cool moustache. He goes on the list. Nice. I honestly couldn't pick anyone else. I didn't know where to go.
0: (laughs) I like you've gone scientific with your outsider. Nice. Um, okay. It's gonna annoy me because I'll come on to why it's gonna annoy me in a minute. Chris, let's have your picks.
2: Yeah, what I found amusing about this is uh, was it the PGA champs we did our picks and I went with the same approach that Fowlis has done for this one. So I was like, it's gonna be tough. People are gonna need to hit fairways. I think I went with Webb Simpson and Uh, Todd, and they both, uh, I think they did okay, but they were not competing for that first place. So uh, they've immediately been sacked off my fantasy league team if we had one um, (laughs) for this. And I've gone with a a very different style of approach. Uh, Number one for me, John Ron. He's won twice in the past three months. And I, I don't know how accurate these facts are, Uh, but I'm going to say them and you can have a go at me next week when I've got these horribly wrong, but he's won uh, Muirfield village, which is the second hardest venue of last year and Olympia fields, which is the fourth hardest course of last year. So he's already a proven winner on ridiculously tough courses within the last three months.
1: Great stat, by the way.
2: (laughs) Very good stat. (laughs) I, as if I can take credit for this, that is absolutely rubbish. That's called Google for you. Um, uh, but I managed to find it. So that's that's all that matters. <laughs> so the so I think that is in his favour. I think he's a proven winner at ridiculously tough courses. And for me, I'm like, okay, cool. He's he's on the form. He's been playing well. I'm going to get behind him for this. The second player, I am totally split between two players. And Foulis, I had to check the stats because as you were going through it, I was like, Hang on a minute, have I got have I got this right as well? Um, the pick I'm going with is Xander. So the pick I'm going with is Chauffle for all the reasons that that Ben has said, but also it just he apparently does really well in US opens. So his last finishes are fifth, sixth, and third. So he clearly can do well at a US Open, which is designed to be tough. He just hasn't gone that next level to to get the wins. So um my out uh my one that didn't make it but was very close to was Fleetwood I've um with Tommy coming third last week and playing really well and the reason I checked my stats is because he has relatively good strokes gained off the tee but his driving accuracy is also weak he's six I say weak 61 percent he's 82nd um which made me panic that I picked the wrong player there when you started going through the stats there Foulis, but um but yeah, he he. I would if I was allowed a third, he would be the third for sure. I think he's coming into this in a in a good run of form for sure. Um, so Ram and Chaufley, those are my two. My outside the top fifty, I was when I looked at the European Tour leaderboard, I couldn't believe that this guy wasn't even in Portugal. I was like, why isn't he in Portugal? Why isn't he playing? Turns out because he's gone across to <laughs> gone across to play in the U.S. Open this week. Yeah, right. Understand that. Um, Do I think he's going to win? No. Uh, But am I dead excited to see how he does? Yes, and that's Rasmus Hoygaard, ranked 66th at the moment, winning on the European Tour. I'm excited to see how he does up against everybody, the best players in the world on the PGA Tour. Um, I think it will be be exciting to see him compete. What is he, 19 years old? um, Crushing it on the European Tour. want to see how he does. On the on on the US Open for sure, I, it's someone
0: who I'll be paying attention to. Well, I will tell you what, I mean, he's, he's hundred to one, so it's not a it's not a ridiculous shout. It's aspect. not a ridiculous shout, no. no. Um,
2: and then I did see it did make me smile when I saw Phil Mickelson ranked at fifty three, and I thought Phil really. And then I was like, no, can't keep the ball in in play. He's you know, it's just not gonna. I, I predict he's just not going to do very well.
1: If it was fairway everywhere, he'd probably do all right, but. Uh...
2: If there was not, a crown fair trampling it all down and making the rough yeah. flat, I'd quite, I'd I'd probably put him up there, but no, not with no no fans crushing
0: down the, the rough for him, though. No. Fair, fair. Timbo well, on to mine, and this is why I'm annoyed. So my um, <laughs> my number one pick for this weekend, and because I think the name of the game this weekend is gonna be unflashy, consistent. Find your fairways, get your greens in regulation. Webb Simpson is my is, he is my. I cannot believe this. I can't, can't go past him. You leave again. You go to stats. You know, seventy-one percent greens in regulation. Yeah, hit sixty-seven percent fairways. His putting, we already talked about, is excellent. I don't think it's it's not going to be a week a weekend for the big hitters and the longest hitters and all that kind of stuff. It's about accuracy and stay, staying in it. Um, I, just, I, 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 I think I, it's going to be a lot psychological, like being yeah, able to stick yeah. with the course and being able yeah. to not get beaten up by it. I think of all the players in that top 10 at the moment, I think this probably does suit. It, it probably is Webb Simpson. So not only is he my pick, he's my number one pick, which um, I know will surprise you to. Um, my second pick won't surprise you at all because obviously it's going to be one of two and it's Xander. <laughs> um again without wanting to kind of go through it and do it to death you know Ben talks about this again you know you're talking about um he hasn't missed a cut in 14 tournaments um hit 60 percent of fairway 71 percent greens and regulation consistent player he just seems set up for the for the, for the big for the big tournament so, Normally, on on another course, I'd be going as you, as you can probably guess. I'd probably be going Morikawa and Xander. Um, I think for this weekend, I, I've just got I've just got a feeling that wet it's it's going to be Webb. Um, so he's he's bumped he's bumped um Morikawa out of it for me. Um, so those are my two picks. Um, my outsider, which is a bit left field, is Mackenzie Hughes.
1: Um, who is currently. Well, I'm to- glad. I'm I'm going to butt in now. I'm sorry I didn't jump on Mackenzie Hughes because he was who I had down initially and that would have been one, two and three, me and you, exactly the same. (laughs) I (laughs) would have had to change something. Um,
0: Again, uh, Mackenzie Hughes has been showing a lot of consistency since the kind of, the return um, after after the lockdown. Um, He's had a good number of sort of top 20 finishes. He's had a a top 10 finish, I think, here and there. Again, just seems a very consistent player. Um, He's not loud, not showy. He doesn't drive the ball miles, but he is relatively accurate. Um, (laughs) Similar to what Chris has said earlier. Do I think he's going to win? No, I don't. (laughs) Uh, But I think he's an interesting, he's an interesting bet, 125 to one. And he's only just, I think he's literally only just outside the top 50 uh, in the world. I think he's something, I think he's mid fifties potentially. Um, So, yeah, it's so none of us have backed Morikawa. Well, now that you said, now that you kind
2: of made that thought come into my mind of, it's going to be a, a lot of a psychological game. Morikawa, I, I, part of the reason I was like, can you? Is he likely to do back-to-back majors? That's a big ask. Yeah, but if there's someone who just never looks to get rattled round a course and just seems to crack on with it and be like, oh, I've hit a shit shot, I'll just hit a better one on the next one. It is him, him or him or Hovland, who is just the happiest man alive <laughs> from uh, yeah. walking around the golf course. Um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I've, I've got. He's in my notes. I've, I've not ruled him out. I just I wasn't sure that you could do. I wasn't sure that he'd be able to do back
0: to back wins. Yeah,
1: that no. that was the deal breaker for me.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where my head was at as well. As like that'd be that'd be quite the <laughs> what a story if it happens though. <laughs> quite a story to be just be gunning and having to. Majors within it'd be something like your first 24 25 events as a pro that would just be lunacy. Um, I mean, what, Brooks would have nothing, what would, you would do. what would he do? Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So, just let's just go through that again. So, just remind me. So, Ben,
1: run through yours again. So, Xander pick one, Webb Simpson pick two, and then outsider was Joel Damon. Joel Damon,
2: Chris pick one, Ron pick two, Xander pick three outsider Rasmus Hoygaard
0: and for me number one pick Webb Simpson Xander and then Mackenzie Hughes is my outsider so let's have we'll have a little review obviously next week's pod we'll see how the predictions have gone i feel like Fowlis has abandoned all of his previous logic and just basically looked to copy me um is basically that? What I'm on here <laughs> what would tim do yeah what would tim do is basically here um <laughs> So it may, it may come down to how good our outsiders do to see who, who's done yeah. better out of the this, which is frankly now quite terrifying because Mackenzie Hughes is quite some way down in the odds. <laughs> um, so, so, so we will see. Now, speaking of the greens at uh, at Wingsford, it's obviously probably the most famous um, feature of the golf course. So, I um I happened across. A video earlier on youtube which i thoroughly recommend everyone listening checks out it is basically how they maintain the green the process they have every single year for maintaining the greens um so i'm going to win i'm going to go through this really really quickly so the first thing they do they laser scan the greens at the start of the summer when it's in absolute peak conditioned and what they do is effectively they drop a, a, a 3d model simulation of each green okay this doesn't feel yeah. like something that our local Twenty-five pound round course would be doing. Is this is this something like high-end technology? Yeah, I I don't think, with the greatest respect, I don't think Chelsea are mapping their greens part of every summer. um, Okay, okay, so that's the first step they do. Second thing they do is they they then pull up all the turf. Okay, Um, they then look to redo all of the lost any lost or altered contours are then manually sort of re-put back into the soil. Wow. They then do another scan to check everything is precisely the same as it was. They then remove all of the, all of the soil structure um, and redo the drainage to make sure that the soil consistency, the green consistency, is as best as it can be. Um, they use the original laser map to draw out the uh, the, the composition of every green. Um they obviously then lay the the turf back out and any gaps from the sort of strips of turf, they use a pastry bag with uh, soil to fill in the gaps and make sure that everything is exactly the same. So needless to say... How long does this take? It takes them a while, to be fair. It's it's a fairly laborious process. I don't know if they do it every single year, but it's basically every time they decide to kind of redo their greens, which a club like Winged Foot, I'm assuming they do it fairly regularly. Being a bit standing, so go and check it out if you haven't. Now, basically, why? am I... What's it called? How,
2: what, what's the video called? Have you got a name?
0: Uh, I think it's something like um, how the how the how the winged foot greens are rebuilt or something like Fine. that. It's, I think it's a PGA <laughs> video. S- send me the um, link, and I'll send it out an email when we send out the, the link to the pod. So, anyway, why am I why am I r- just rambling on about uh, about all of this? Well, it got me to thinking that obviously quite a lot of love care. Consideration has gone into this particular element uh, of the golf course, and to be honest, this happens on a lot of golf courses. All golf courses are looked after, and um, you know we should treat them with respect. Um, that said, I wanted to put it out there: what, what is our thinking? What do we think is the worst thing you can do to a golf course, not on a golf course, to the golf course? Okay, now this is obviously. We're gonna be not advocating any of these behaviours are done whatsoever. We're saying what's the what's the really kind of <laughs> rogue, really, really shitty thing. Just don't do it. Um I want only one thing. I want one nomination from each of you. Who'd like to go first for the worst possible thing you can do to a golf course and you should never do? Chris? Sure, but I I might have to, I
2: have to ask a question because mine might not be allowed interesting mine is less about something done more about something not done
0: ah, ah okay um i know where you're going with this yes carry on i've got a backup option if required no, no, if, no, if no, if no, got, not acceptable. I out, um, and I like
2: so i would say this isn't this doesn't sound terrible this doesn't sound it's not you know it's not a someone's had a meltdown and snapped a club around a tree or whatever this is more of an action of something they're not doing and that's repairing pitch marks on a green yep and obviously you don't repair one pitch mark sure not the end of the world however uh, Tim I'm sure it was you who uh, in a previous episode or so, or, or sent us a, a message sharing us the stats on this I can't find the stats for the life of me Um, but I've got a picture that one of you sent through. Which is, shall I read it out for you? Yep. The average number of ball marks made on a green per round is eight per golfer. They've obviously not played with any of us because there's no chance we hit that many greens from that far out. Um, But assuming only 130 rounds are played each day on your course, your greens receive 1,040 impressions daily. That's 31,000 per month or more than 374,000 per year impressions on a green like can you and that's all the little the dents the dip whatever coming in on the green and if you didn't repair those your greens would be in pieces right they'd just be or like they would be in awful 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 condition so uh, i took this idea and uh i i went i messaged a uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep there We'll keep them uh, anonymous for the time being. We'll call them a secret greenkeeper, uh, and said and asked this question. And said, from your perspective, what's the worst thing, uh, and the most frustrating thing, by far and above, was pitch marks not being repaired. Obviously, from a complete damage point of view, like in one incident, not the not the most difficult thing to repair, but by far the most frustrating thing for a greenkeeper. Or for this greenkeeper, I should say. Okay, so, so my...
1: One. Yeah, that was that was my number one, unfortunately. So uh, <laughs> we are heading to the backup. I had a feeling one of you would, would have that. So mine has... It was more about the behaviour on a golf course, yes. but it's heading on to what happens with said very loose behaviour on the golf course. Um, so my backup was planting or crashing a golf cart into a hazard um, oh, say on a no, that this is drives me nuts. When you are, you know, you see the videos on, on Instagram and stuff all the time. You know, I, before Tim started talking about what they do at wing Foot, I had in my head that, you know, damage in the green is, is is repaired quite easily, possibly won't cost that much money. Apparently, not a winged foot. That sounds like a quite quite a pricey process. But my idea and logic was um, you know, damage in the green is bad, but it can be repaired fairly easily. You fuck up a golf cart, that's going to cost a fair chunk in not only repairing whatever you've broken on the golf course, as well as the however many thousand pounds worth of golf cart. So as much as one of the rules was kind of uh, not behavior on a golf course, behavior that can damage the golf course, I I kind of feel like that's pretty bad. I reckon due to what we see on social media, people getting pretty loose on the golf course, that happens probably more frequently than we like to, to think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean there there's, there's just no excuse to be crashing a golf buggy into a hazard is there? I mean
1: no excuse.
0: No. no. <laughs> I,
2: I I hate hate with a passion those videos. Yeah. Like it, uh, they uh, the amount of I don't know what the word is. People seem people seem to love it and and maybe and I'm like maybe I'm just boring which mm. we all know is true but the uh, I just kind of go that's you're just an idiot. Like yeah. you're, you're just a dickhead. Like what are you doing? Like I still don't understand the whole running your mate over in a buggy either. That's just dangerous. I'm like, no. if any of you run me over in a buggy, I'm coming after you. So yeah. <laughs> if I'm still alive, so that, that can, that for me is all just, Oh, can't be dealing with that.
0: I'm I'm actually completely in agreement. The videos I see of like just people dicking around on golf buggies, just, just go do it somewhere else. Don't do it on a golf course. Like, you know, they're places where people go to relax, play sport. You can go and dick around and run each other over plenty of other places or, you know, jump over hills on other vehicles. Just don't do it on a golf course. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you, to be honest. Okay, so mine, uh, I very similar. I was also obviously going to go with the uh, the pitch marks situation. Um, uh, sorry, that's... I think I had a bit of a, a, a mini rant about it. Maybe one or two podcasts ago, um, so I, I've gone down a similar-ish route to to Ben in that this is kind of um, shenanigans that I've witnessed on a golf course of just people just losing their mind and just <laughs> watching it happen and being like that is just <laughs> not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. I'm not, I've got one in my mind. I'm not going to oh, no, say this is I'm not going to say who it is. Um, when it happened. I actually just had to say nothing and kind of keep my thoughts to myself because I I it's, it's it was it was bad. Um and that is taking out any frustration of a bad shot on the putting surface. Agreed. I have seen and I can't believe I've seen. I have seen uh literally people slap like literally hit into the putting service with like not even a putter like with a wedge and actually kind of leave like a like a a sliced like valley in the putting surface I've seen it happen and I just couldn't quite fathom what I'd seen I thought that is that's not acceptable that is just (laughs) that is just so bad I mean the the worst the worst and most guilty I have ever felt um, on a golf course and probably the most embarrassed and just let down by myself has been a lot, like a long time ago when I started playing golf um, I think it was like the end of at the end of a round I played really really badly I was really annoyed and I think I was by I, I think I was just off the green in like the rough by the green and i had gone to kind of just needed to chip on and I absolutely like duffed um, the chip and I think I literally just kicked my ball and I just and even there like actually kicking <laughs> That's, in the that's your worst you've just kicked your ball into in <laughs> rough. Oh, I mean, to be fair because it was the 18th it was potentially in view of people and i just thought i've never been so ashamed of like my <laughs> actions on a golf course that is I think that's probably the, the worst thing i've done oh. and, and, and i mean someone taking out frustration but taking out on the putting surface with either like a putter slam or hitting the club into the putting surface not acceptable. Not, not acceptable. <laughs> no. I've, do not do I've, it. I have witnessed a putter slam, and I've also witnessed, and
2: I've, and unfortunately, I have to say more than more than once. And I've also witnessed one where you, there's the, and you see, and unfortunately, you see it on the pros where like they'll they'll slam their putter down and it lands flat on the surface, and even that, I'm like, hmm, probably should be mm-hmm. careful with that. Yeah. I've seen someone do a putter slam and clearly, totally unintentionally, break the surface of the green, mm-hmm. like toe of the putter just went straight into the green and the amount of immediate guilt that came across on their face i was just like i know you feel bad you should feel bad because that was ludicrous behavior (laughs) um but i I, but i agree with you like don't don't damage that i think i'm surprised i've had a club throw i've definitely had a club throw in my younger in my younger days and bent the putter we like but again not on the grid like i'm always very it sounds really silly i'd always be very careful on the green at, at take take the frustration out somewhere else. Like, don't don't <laughs> yeah. do it on the green. Like, do you know what I mean?
0: If, if you if you're like in in the heather, I think you know. Haven't <laughs> if you if you're in the heather and you've like had a bit of a club throw or a bit of a frustrated <laughs> swipe, I think that's one thing. I <laughs> mean, yeah. you're
2: gonna lose your club in the heather. Like, you lose your ball. right? <laughs> <laughs> don't throw your club in the heather.
0: But yeah, I think I think we can probably agree unanimously that the green is just. That That's the green. That, is,
2: the green is, I mean,
0: you can't, be, you can't be damaging the green. It, it,
2: it takes us back to do you remember that video of <laughs> you know, when you picture like Sergio Garcia just like an absolute meltdown yeah. in the bunker?
1: Unbelievable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just hits a bad shot, just seven or eight swipes to the bunker. I'm just like, you can't do that. That's not acceptable. Um, and I just think you'd. If the if you unfortunately you see the pros doing it and it does yeah. not it doesn't make it okay but it it, it people go oh Sergio does it you know
0: Yep.
2: why is it that much of an issue if I do it so I think there is that element there's a little bit of that but ultimately I'm just like we all need to get better at just controlling our <laughs> yeah. emotions and our temper and uh, it, as soon as we've done that you're not going to have a good round there's no way you recover from a moment
0: like that <laughs> no. No, very, very difficult to recover from a seven swipes of a bunker or club throw, club snap, club buried in the in the ground. Yeah. Just... Are there any other
2: examples you can think of in the pros? I'm trying to think of now. If any of if the top of my head? I know Bryson had a couple of, but he
0: had a, his is more whiny at cameramen and
1: stuff. Yeah.
0: Isn't it? Yeah, his his more his on course behavior and moaning at marshals and wanting second opinions and or or complaining that there's an ant on his ball.
2: Yeah. Can, I, can just, I just add something? I saw when talking about the repairing pitch marks, so, so basically this should be an advert for everyone. Re, please repair your pitch marks. Um, one golf club, however, for whatever reason, the golf club wasn't actually mentioned. It just mentioned it was part of the Troon group. Um, if you are, they had an incentive. If you are caught on, caught, I don't know what the definition of court was. I don't know if like any of us three could film each other, but caught repairing a pitch mark and you were tagged on social media, you'd get a free beer at the end. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, and the article was basically saying we should stop trying to embarrass people into following rules. He's like, they were like basically saying golf has enough rules. We make people feel crap enough as it is in this sport. Why do we need another thing? Why don't we just positively reinforce behavior? So we've gone down the route of anyone, anyone being caught on social media repairing pitch marks. We'll get yeah. a free beer at the end of the round, which I thought was quite a cool. Uh, even if it was just a PR stunt, quite a cool, uh, quite a cool idea. No, I'm a big fan of we've that. Sp-
1: we've we've spoken about it before. I'm sorry to harp on about pitch repair marks. Why do golf clubs just not give them away? The pitch repair marks at all? because an excuse I for a lot some of people. Do, but... Just just give them away. They're so cheap. Just the little plastic ones. They're going to save your green keepers and and the club itself a lot of money in the long run. If you own a yeah, golf I... club, just give, give away pitch repair marks on the first tee. I
2: don't even know I, except I, I, I when you first start it might be a bit like okay I've just never thought like, I didn't know this was a thing like if you genuinely just, you're brand new to the game you just didn't know it was a thing beyond that the only time that I can even think that I am is when I hit an approach I walk up to it I genuinely can't see it and what I normally do is feel really guilty that I can't find mine that I try and find and repair another one <laughs> like, yeah. do you know what I
0: mean? But
1: It's but not a bad I, way to do it though to be fair yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I think, I think you know, yeah, you can have a, uh, a, a like a proper divot repair tool. I mean ultimately you can use a T. You can use a T. There's it's not difficult to fix a, a, a divot, it really isn't. Right. Agreed. Um so pitch marks. Yeah. People just 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 fix your fix your divots. Don't be don't Sorry. be hitting the machine. Um Divots no,
1: just, and, and and pitch marks divots and pitch ones yeah, ones, yeah. And, and, yeah don't, green
0: and, green. and don't drive buggies into hazards there you go, don't, go, don't, go. don't yeah
1: don't take it's divots up. in the green
0: <laughs> <laughs> right so the final thing to talk about this week is a welcome return to a feature that we've not had for a little while uh chris have you designed this this week or is this oh. ben designed this, this no, week? no this is this is all me Okay, Chris, I'm going to hand over to you for this very, very cherished return of a feature. Go. In the hole or out of
2: bounds? We're bringing Yay! it back. We're bringing it back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I can't remember if Fowlis actually had an in the hole idea or if they are all out of bounds ideas. I can't. There was there was a few. Um, so my, my idea is actually somewhat inspired after someone posted in in the group and they it was just a one line post and it said handicaps keep golf social not competitive all competitions should be played against scratch which i know there are obviously scratch competitions out there even for amateurs um and anyone literally anyone can enter because it is just physically whoever scores better on the day and i do understand Why people could get frustrated with high handicaps winning, i.e., you're playing off eight and you get beaten by a 28 handicapper on your club comp. Like, I, I understand that, even though the eight handicapper has scored eight over and the 28 handicapper has scored 23 over. Like, I understand why people could get frustrated about that because they're physically like, I literally played better, I scored better, and I've lost. Like, that doesn't, I understand why that could be frustrating. So, my pitch is this always keep your handicap like for us like as a group i think having your handicaps is a, an awesome way to keep competitions i actually dis, i actually do think it does make it competitive so i disagree with that part of the statement but keep that however every other sport has leagues
0: mm-hmm.
2: and if you're shit you're in the lower leagues if you're good you're in the higher leagues but and
0: you're starting out you're in the lower league yeah. <laughs> no, right. no,
2: I, was always, I was always shit at football and I, <laughs> <laughs> and I was always in the lower league like when, when you're playing in when you're playing in West Surrey Division 7 you're miles and miles away from the premiership aren't you so um, I think what, what my idea is is having whether it's leagues whatever it looks like but you are not squash do this really well you have t- 10 people in your league you, you might start off being placed in a league based on what your handicap is, but then it is all done to scratch. Match play, stroke play, whatever you want to do. Like, there could be us three and the everybody else in our little group, but it's played to scratch. So the person, you, and there's relegation, there's promotion, there's all of that. You can go up leagues, you can go down leagues, but it's all based on scratch. It's not based on handicap. You are literally just in the league based, and you get relegated if you don't score well and you get promoted if you do. But so the top division would be players who are probably in your club or whatever, scratch golfers. The people who are in the bottom division are people who are starting out and getting into the game. There is no issue with that, in my opinion. Um, and the goal is to get better, to move up the leagues rather than getting to 22 handicap and just being really good at a 22 handicap. That is my idea. The same thing as you have in like goals, football. You have Thursday night at Football League, Again, you have different leagues for five aside, that kind of principle. Now,
1: do you jump from one league to the other once you hit a certain uh, band of handicaps? So, say I go from 20 and I'm currently in the 20 to 30 range and I drop to 19. Am I then suddenly promoted or have I got to win a certain number? No, of you,
2: you've got to a win. Points? Like there would be set seasons. So, you might have like a spring season and you would compete through the spring season. And if at the end of the spring, if I not what your handicap is, because your handicap could be, be like, let's say your handicap's an 18. <laughs> but in when you play your comp rounds in that in that division, you just don't, never get close. You stay in that division.
1: Okay. Do what you... if I score all of my good rounds in non-competition play? So my handicap tumbles. I'm all of a sudden playing off of Eight. But I'm in the 20 to 30 category. But because all my good rounds have not been in competition, I'm stuck playing against people that I don't want to play with.
2: No, if if you're beating them or scoring better than them week in, week out, at the end of the season, you'll be promoted. Yeah. So it's not done, it's not just done on handicap. Handicap might be you. I say handicap might be used to put you in at the beginning. If you're winning, you'll get promoted. If you're losing, you'll get relegated. It's just what you score.
0: So is the, is the um, thinking here this would replace like the club competition that effectively no, uh, comp would be you'd have like at the end of the year you'd have a division 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 champion. So
2: I don't think it would replace the major competition, right? I still think that you would never replace those the traditional club comps. Mm. I would definitely this is but yes in essence you would have a division 1 a division 2 a division 3 a division 4 champ relegated situation at the end of it and you might call it a spring season a summer season a winter season so that there was more moving around rather than being in one thing the whole year yeah. Um, but yeah and and because I know that there are competitions within clubs where they say handicaps of nine or above are in this one and handicaps of ten or below are in this one but I would like something more like structured if that makes sense
0: so I'm going to go in with my thoughts on this because I've got a few go um, I totally know and see where you're coming from on like the like tennis leagues, squash leagues, all those clubs are set up this way. And I think there is merit in it because I think it probably would present some quite competitive matches. Um, the counter to it from my point of view would be a few things. Firstly, I think... <laughs> I think golf is something where your form fluctuates so much across a period of time whether it be 6 months 2 months 3 months i i feel and i've got no i've got no science to base this on whatsoever i feel like your how well you're playing golf can fluctuate more than how well you're playing like tennis or squash or something like that i've got nothing to back that on just just a personal opinion and the other thing I would say is wait why is that a bad thing huh why is that a bad thing well because I think you need to cater for that in club competitions a little bit more as in you could be like an an eight handicapper but you could be going through an absolutely horrendous run of form or you or to to Ben's point you could be a 20 handicapper who is progressing really 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 quickly having just started having just like pick the game up a year ago or something like that but surely the goal is to be consistent like the best golfer it should be a consistent golfer I don't know if I'd want to necessarily if you think about it if you start off in like League 6 right and you're saying issues are played annually that's six years to get to the top league no no you might Yeah, I'm not saying it's a set
2: year you could have a spring season so it could be but I mean okay let's say you do it twice a year it's still three years
0: to get sure yeah okay Um, the other element I'd say is I think playing with better players can elevate people's game i agree with that yeah um i also think if you are a let's say you're between 20 and 30 handicap i think playing with someone who is a five handicap can change your perspective on how you play um in terms of how you think your way around a golf course how you deal with annoying shots or frustrations all that kind of stuff so personally i would say no to this but i (laughs) actually offer a counter suggestion Okay. Be potentially you play club competitions to three quarters handicap because I think then it's more difficult for someone who's at 36 to be kind of having a worldie of a round and kind of picking up a shed load of points because obviously that's a lot of shots for them to be uh, taking off the handicap so that would be my proposal
2: I feel like I have seen that. Would you keep it within a league environment, or are you scrapping the league environment, just going purely one weekend club comp? I keep it open.
0: I like it. I think. I think I like the open comp. To be honest, but I'm I... not saying
2: I'd get rid of those. I'm just saying this would be a, an alternative thing to to put in there. Would you compete in it if if open? Would you go and and let's let's say for example, let's say during the summer there was. A, I can't really do that. Let's say there was a Saturday league and every Saturday you, you entered in for this for a set period of time. Would you enter it? Yeah, probably. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but he's not in favour. Then yeah.
1: I am disappointingly on the fence, swaying towards what? out of bounds, unfortunately. No! <laughs> Just, yeah. I, I like the idea of playing with... Um, and against people of similar level. So then you you've kind of you're avoiding that dilemma of, you know, oh, I played with someone who was 20 shots worse off than me in theory and shot 12 shots worse but still beat me in a comp. But it comes back to the whole, you really do improve. I'm a strong believer in you really do improve a lot quicker if you are playing with better players. Um, mm-hmm. I know Rory has come out and said with it. You know, a while back, if you want to get better quick, go and play with someone who's really, really good. It's a completely different game. The lower handicappers do play it in a completely different way. And I feel like new players to the game or even us at our level, um, we'd miss out on opportunities to go and play with the really good players that are going to help me benefit my game. Now, that is a fairly selfish way to look at it. I want to play with the better players to get myself better and I kind of feel like if you were to sit at that level, you may sit at that level for a long period of time because you aren't yeah. necessarily striving to go and get better. Yes, ultimately you want to win, but you're still making the same 18 handicap and mistakes that you shouldn't be making and wouldn't possibly make if you had been regularly playing with a four. Um, so unfortunately, mate, out of bounds.
2: I now know how this feels. Damn, this is this is upsetting. Oh, and I want to add in... Yeah. I think it's just a caveat here. Obviously, for our group, for societies like for big comps, I would never get rid of the handicap system. I freaking, I'm all over it. I'm, I'm merely looking at an additional competition, if that makes sense. But that's okay. I'll take the out of bounds. I'll take it on the chin.
1: As, a, right. as an additional, as an additional competition, I quite like it. But to have it on a weekly basis, in which Too you much. are going to then drop a lot of other competitions, in which you'll get the opportunity to play with some great players. I think yeah. does
2: it. That sells it for me. Shit. I should have I should have yeah. thought about this more. Okay. It's yeah. it's an out of bounds me. <laughs> it's out of bounds. It's out of bounds. It's, it's out-of-bounds. a work in it's
0: progress. Maybe he's he sliced it off the first. It's <laughs> I've not I've not done a full Geronimo Howitzer <laughs> off to the right. But... It's not Geronimo Williams, it's almost <laughs> like a uh it's a shot that starts off quite nicely and then hooks to quite right the end out of bounds. Damn,
2: oh, I thought for sure I had a winner there. Damn it. Back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board. Back
0: to the drawing board. Right, that about wraps it up for this week. Um, only things to flag this week uh, from a purely selfish point of view from myself and Fowlis are obviously that we're both in um, society weekends this weekend. I, I, am away. I think we're both away. We're both away with um, old boys school comps, aren't we? Uh, so yeah. I'm up to Chester myself. Um, yeah. I'm up to Chester. Nice, so quite the quite journey for me. Uh, you had school. your window fixed on your car um, yet. So um, obviously the US Open this weekend, but the real <laughs> the real, the real quiz will be to uh, school uh, school opens. So we'll report back on the next pod and let you know how that's all gone. Um, that about brings it up any more for any more gents or should we leave it there for this time? Let's leave it there. Oh, good. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much for tuning in and we will see you on the next pod. Thanks very much. Catch you later. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as ever, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really, really helps us out. Um, as ever, the podcast is brought to you by TourChamp, where you can create leagues and competition with your mates, uh, including your very own Race to Dubai style event. Check it out at TourChamp.co and also by Sunday Red Golf, the best golf club on the planet uh, you can make, meet like-minded golfers attend competitions tuition days and a lot more go check it out at sundayredgolf.co.uk